Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister prepares to leave for Africa. And I think he's going to be cross-trading with a whole bunch of countries of varying degrees of repute. And it is going to cost Canada. We don't know what it's going to cost, but these countries don't give their votes away for nothing. Opponents of the Trans Mountain Pipeline say their fight isn't over. So we're standing here together in this little bit delay that we have in stopping this pipeline because we're still trudging forward. We always said that we would do what it takes to make sure that we, we stop this pipeline. We have proven it. It's, it's not in the best interest of, of our nations that are standing here for Vancouver, for British Columbia, for Canada. And Canada secures seats on a flight organized by the United States as work continues to bring Canadian citizens home from China. This plane is currently scheduled to depart Yuan a few hours after the Canadian plane. It will land first in Vancouver, where Canadians' passengers will disembark for onward travel to CFB Trenton, where they will be subject to the same processes as those Canadians traveling on the Canadian flight. It's Thursday, February the 6th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by National Post columnist John Iveson. Hello, John. No problem, Mark. So the Prime Minister leaves later today for Ethiopia, and obviously the priority here is the bid to secure a seat on the Security Council for Canada, something the Prime Minister has been talking about for more than four years. So how important is this trip for the Prime Minister, do you think? Well, I think it's it's a, a, a good idea to be on the Security Council, but as I, I talk with a, an academic called Adam Chapnick, who's written a book on Canada and the UN Security Council. In his opinion, it's the right decision, but he's made it at the wrong time and for the wrong reasons. And uh, just to explain what he meant by that, um, in the past, Canada has only bid for a Security Council seat, one that has been one available. Uh, you don't compete for it. You don't have an election for it. Uh, there are two seats that come around every two years for this uh, group called Western Europe and others, into which falls uh, obviously Western Europe but also Canada and Australia. And uh, every other time that Canada's gone for this, dating back into the, the late 50s, uh, there have been two slots available. Now, when Trudeau decided to go for this seat, this was in 2016 or late 2015, it wasn't in the Liberal platform in 2015, and it wasn't in Stefan Dion's mandate letter when he became Foreign Affairs Minister, but they decided to go for it at a time when uh, Ireland and Norway and San Marino had already committed to bids. Now, San Marino rapidly dropped out once they learned Canada was going to be in. But it remains the case that there are two spots and there are three countries waiting for it. Now, to get those those spots, you have to garner the votes of other countries. And I think what's going to happen is that Justin Trudeau is going to, to Africa because he knows he can't get votes in Europe. They generally go towards the European countries. He might get votes in Africa where... The Francophone countries might vote, for example, but given Canada's status there. But more likely because Canada gives them something. And I think he's going to be cross-trading with a whole bunch of countries of varying degrees of repute. And it is going to cost Canada. We don't know what it's going to cost, but these countries don't give their votes away for nothing. All right, let's turn to the Trans Mountain Pipeline. And although earlier this week a court ruled on the side of the government, 
and it appears the pipeline will now be able to proceed. The opponents of the pipeline are saying they will continue to fight. There will be protests. There will be demonstrations. Do you think they will be able to hold things up or win public support or simply make a lot of noise while this pipeline goes ahead uh, with Justin Trudeau and his government solidly behind it? Well, I don't think anybody expects this to be easy. I mean, there is a, there is the prospect that the, uh, the groups who lost in court at the Federal Court of Appeal take their appeal to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, I suspect, will not hear that case, given the fact it's now been uh, judged twice by the Federal Court of Appeal to be uh, to have consulted adequately. So we then get into the realm of, of direct action, and clearly there are uh, a number of First Nations and environmental activists who will not take no for an answer. So I think that um, this moves to... to uh, direct action. It prob- probably would have got there already had it not been for this court case. But I don't think people quite get the fact that the, the, while construction is, is underway and pipe is being laid in the Edmonton area, the actual detailed route has not been decided upon yet. So it's not as if people are going to be holding up construction in the Fraser Valley, for example, because we don't even know where the direct route is going to be in the Fraser Valley, far less construction taking place there that could be held up by demonstrations. So this is a long way to go yet, uh, but it looks like the court part of that process is now over. All right, let's turn to a lawsuit initiated by the People's Party of Canada leader Maxime Bernier against Warren Kinsella, the longtime political pundit who uh, launched attacks against Bernier during the last campaign. Uh, and uh, this was widely talked about at the time. Uh, it's it's a part of a, a new chapter of Canadian politics, maybe lifting the veil a little bit on what sometimes happens where there are people who are engaged specifically to undermine other candidates and perform the role of a war room. Um, so what do you make of this, and where do you see it going? Well, it, frankly, it seems hard for me to believe that anybody could have undermined Maxime Bernier's reputation more than Maxime Bernier himself. Uh, I think that it, uh, it's been a pretty sad state of affairs. Um, you know, Max was, was at one point a very well-respected uh, minister in the Harper government, and I think it's uh, what has happened since then has been um, of his own doing. At the same time, obviously, Kinsella was hired to, with, a, with a view to undermining that reputation, to tarring him with this brush, uh, blatantly called him racist a number of times, which... I think anybody who knows Maxine Bernie does not believe he's a racist. I think he's misguided and, and some of his policies were questionable, but I don't think he's personally a racist. And these these repeating attacks were were um, motivated because they were the the one uh, company had been hired to to do a number on uh, the People's Party. Uh, I think it's that's an unfortunate development, but so is. Um, the political banter and, and to and fro ending up in court. I think the court will just shrug its shoulders and say, this is politics as usual and we're not getting involved. Uh, unless there's something... I mean, calling somebody a racist, is that so defamatory that, um, that they're going to find for, for Bernie and against Kinsella? I suspect not. 
All right, we should update people on the status of uh, Canada's efforts to evacuate people from China who are, are coming from the affected area, the source of the coronavirus. Uh, we learned yesterday from the uh, Foreign Affairs Minister François-Philippe Champagne that uh, that some Canadians would be traveling on an American plane. Uh, but basically, it's, it's all hands on deck, every effort possible to get these Canadians out of the affected area, right? Right, and I think sooner or later they they will be evacuated, presuming they can get on an airplane in the first place. It sounds like if you turn up and you have symptoms, the Chinese will not even let you in the airport. Um, but there was another development which suggested that uh, that uh, the government is now advising Canada, Canadians to leave China, not just Wuhan, but anywhere in China, by commercial means if they are able. That, that I think, is a, a steps things up a little bit. It's just in, it implies that the Canadian government believes that things are going to get much, much worse before they get better. And that unless it's essential to be in China, you should get out. Um, that is not a particularly encouraging development. And, um, you know, I think if I was a Canadian national in China, you may well have reached that conclusion yourself. But for the government to say that um, suggests that things are not looking optimistic. And what do you think about the quarantining of the Canadians when they get back at CFB Trenton? Is that uh, a necessary step, even though many of them will will not be showing any signs of, of the illness at all and likely won't have it? I think that's a, a reasonable precaution. Um, I feel very much for, for more, more than the people who are coming back in these flights, the poor people who are stuck on this cruise ship off the coast of Japan. And there, there are sure. 251 Canadians on this ship, uh, and they are quarantined, but confined to their uh, their rooms on a, on a on a ship that has 3,700 people on it. Um, that would seem to me to be uh, to be a sort of one circle of hell. I would hate to be on that ship. But I think the people who are going to end up in Trenton, that's a reasonable expectation for for Canadians to have, that uh, the nationals who are thrown back at taxpayers' expense are then um, kept separate for a couple of weeks to make sure they're safe and, and healthy. All right, John, great to have your comments on all of this today. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Mark. That's John Iveson of the National Post. Now, let's look at what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Globe and Mail, Tom Koch argues we must evolve our thinking as new virus outbreaks become more common. He writes, Whenever a new virus arrives on the scene, what we know is always outweighed by what we have to learn. We need to become familiar with three things, the environment in which they evolved, the means by which they travel, and how deadly they may be. We know many of the reasons why this is happening, including a warming climate, global travel, income inequality, and poverty. And those issues will not be resolved anytime soon. The real lesson here is that these illnesses are fast evolving, and we, alas, are not. In the Toronto Star, Emma Titel offers some advice for Peter McKay after his ill-advised tweet about the Prime Minister and the television interview that followed. Titel writes, McKay isn't a political novice. You'd think he'd at least look prepared throughout the race. Why then is he or his team tweeting lame digs at the Prime Minister on Twitter? A note to politicians of all stripes, stop trying to be clever on Twitter. You will fail, and your failure will be for naught, because most Canadians don't live on Twitter. Playing to Twitter is a good way to make sure of two things, that voters miss your message and that procrastinating journalists make fun of you. 
At ctvnews.ca, Don Martin argues McKay's biggest challenge may be to stop looking and sounding like a conservative clone of Justin Trudeau. Martin writes, The similarities between the two are almost eerie. You couldn't slip a steak knife in the gap between their major social positions, and they share great skill at delivering wince-worthy performances. With caucus endorsements piling up, McKay is well on his way to becoming unbeatable at the June convention, but if he keeps tripping over the small stuff, he risks delivering leadership at a dubious level many conservatives thought was impossible. Trudeau light. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. Later today, two senators will propose changes to the rules of the Senate to try to end what they call the partisan obstruction of private members' bills in the upper chamber. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more on that. Mark, the two senators involved in this effort were both judges before they were named to the Senate. Pierre J. Dalfon was a judge on the Quebec Court of Appeal, and Senator Marie Sinclair was a Manitoba Queen's Court judge, as well as heading the Commission on Truth and Reconciliation. Now, they're both taking issue with what they call the systemic obstruction of private members' legislation passed by the House of Commons and sent up to the Senate. They point to examples in the last Parliament, such as the bill to bring Canada's laws in line with the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People, and then there was the legislation passed unanimously by the House to provide mandatory minimum training for judges here in cases of sexual assault. Both of those bills died on the order paper after, after having been stalled in the Senate for between one and two years. Then there was the so-called Free Willy Bill to ban the captivity of whales and dolphins. That almost died before the last election after it was stalled in the Senate for three years. Currently, it is very easy for a senator or a handful of senators to almost indefinitely block legislation that is a private member's bill and not government legislation. Senators Sinclair and Dalphon will propose five rule changes today to their Senate colleagues, which they say will give the legislation a fairer chance of passing and cut down on systematic partisan obstruction. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will deliver opening remarks and take part in a roundtable discussion with the Federation of Canadian Municipalities Big City Mayor's Caucus in Ottawa before leaving this evening for Ethiopia. Labour Minister Philomena Tassi will co-chair a meeting of the federal, provincial and territorial ministers responsible for labour in Fredericton, New Brunswick. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, February the 6th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.